I'm Jamie Wheeler. When my daughter, who has autism, turned 18, the programs we depended on suddenly stopped, although her needs did not. So I started Austin's Autistic Adventures, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering autistic adults and their families. Much like our nonprofit, this podcast aims to spark candid conversations and build community. Welcome to Autism Unplugged. Hey, welcome to Autism Unplugged, a podcast designed to bring neurodiverse and neurotypical communities together and help families along the journey that is autism from childhood to adulthood. I'm your host, Jamie Wheeler, and today's topic will be obsessions and stimming. Joining me today are my guests of moms who are all involved in our nonprofit, Austin's Autistic Adventures, and its sister program, A3 Resale and Gallery. And joining me today are Lisa Christian, Brenda Burt, and Laura Likes. Just to briefly describe to you what our foundation does, Austin's Autistic Adventures is a Dallas-Fort Worth-based organization that focuses on social skills and communication improvement for ages 16 and up on the autism spectrum. We do that by offering social events five days a week, something different every single day of the week to get your autistic adult out the door and active. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. Our pleasure. So my first question, and whoever wants to answer first is fine. I don't know of any person on the spectrum, be they lower functioning or even up to Asperger's, that does not have an obsession of some kind. So when did you first notice your child's obsessive behaviors? What were they? And have they changed along the way? Who wants to go first? Lisa Christian here, my son Justin, when he was very small before his diagnosis he and this is very typical and it's one of the red flags line up his toys so his matchbox cars pots and pans spoons anything he could climb into the cabinet and get in his grandmother's kitchen and we thought it was oh he's going to be very organized when he gets older (laughs) his obsessions though started the first thing we noticed was he would get out dictionaries or phone books and things like that and he would be staring at them at the pages when he was like I said two and we didn't know what he was doing he we were like he's not reading them. <laughs> but who knows because he wasn't verbal but his obsession developed from there it was in details and I think that's what he was seeing in the print is images and details because the next thing was cars and car emblems when he was like five, he could draw and recreate the Mustang logo or GM or whatever, Chevrolet. And that started in with his drawing. So he started drawing at a young age and he had 3D perspective at a really young age. That's kind of his first expressed itself and how it's developed. I'm Laura Likes and my son Harry is 24. And the first thing that we noticed that he really got super into, first letters, we were trying to figure out how to help him communicate, and we realized that he actually could read and had never been taught to read. So when he was about two and a half, we got him a whole bunch of alphabet puzzles. And I actually have Mm -hmm. a picture of it where he's beaming, where he has opened it, and he realizes that he can spell out, and the first thing he spelled it was N-J, 
And that was for Nick Jr. Mm. We were like, New Jersey? And he's looking at us like, what is wrong with you people? And it was Nick Jr. And so then he became really interested in like logos and mm-hmm. particularly for videos. So the my husband has drawn the Paramount mountain logo mm-hmm. with the mountain with the stars probably a thousand times. <laughs> and Harry draws really well now too. And so things like that, those logos yeah. were the big thing for a very long time. I was going to say, Justin, when he was in first grade, it was like the meet the teacher night. And he went over and took all the detail and even the trademark logo and all that stuff. And all the other kids were like, cool. (laughs) Of course, skip forward a few months and it's, sorry, Justin's in the locker. It's okay. He'll come out when he's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Brenda? I'm Brenda Burt. My son, Travis, is 25. And he was obsessed with movie logos as well he would draw them and blues clues was one of the early ones everything blues clues the mailbox steve the dogs and he still loves all of this but he drew every movie logo and especially disney pixar he was obsessed Mm -hmm. with movie logos and he could draw them meticulously and then it went on to every thomas the train toy every Disney movie character and to this day that's he just turned 25 and for his birthday he wanted five different Burger King Happy Meal toys from 1997 from the land before time that was his 25th birthday wish list he's so obsessed with these little toys and he has them with him all the time and he does a lot of art and when he's drawing he has that train right there beside him and he'll draw for a little while and then he'll look at the train he'll draw and he'll look at the train so he is obsessed and that's what i was saying earlier one of the tells with him that he's on the spectrum is that he's this big six foot 25 year old handsome guy but he's holding a thomas the train in his hand (laughs) That's really interesting. Lisa, you said about stacking of pots and pans. Oh, and lining things up. Lining things up. Mm-hmm. Huston was a huge reader. She also taught herself to read. But she would also stack books as tall as she could reach. There was not any reason for it that I could see. No yeah. purpose. You know? Not like Justin it's stacking like, the encyclopedia so he could climb over the kitchen. No, <laughs> like there was no adherence to size or thickness or shape or anything she would just stack them endlessly but she did love to read interesting about the logos too austin endlessly draws logos and she has these are for adults and these are for kids and so she'll draw the pbs logo a million times she will draw a cnn and she'll tell me Penn and Teller are for mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) And for some reason, she thinks Penn and Teller on PBS. I have no idea why. We have a member of our group named Ryan. Pretty much all he does is redesigned 1970s steakhouse menus. Yep. (laughs) All day. And he carries them around, hundreds of them. I don't know what it is about identifying in that way. Why are they so attracted to logos, do you think? Any ideas? The only thing I can think of is they know what it is or they know it stays the same. 
Don't let them change something. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. Who knows about the great grilled cheese absence at Whataburger? Uh. <laughs> yeah. For Whataburger, for some reason, took away grilled cheese to the chagrin of autistic families all over the country. <laughs> they had to bring it back. For That's Harry, true. it was changing the packaging for, I think, Kraft marshmallows, some sort of marshmallows where they changed the packaging. And we had thrown away the last old package. <gasps> and there was Daryl trying to salvage it, recreate. <laughs> I don't know what we finally did, how we got through it. I think, too, that a most people on the spectrum are very visual thinkers, mm-hmm, and yeah. so that's... They think what's in the box is different because the outside of the box right, is different. Right, it makes... Mm-hmm. It's not my macaroni and cheese it anymore. It makes sense to them. <laughs> I can remember one time, Harry really likes pickles, especially like slices for hamburgers, and we bought some hamburger dill slices, but they said kosher on them. Mm. And I just saw this in my Facebook memories the other day, that I had to take them out of that package and put them in the old jar which didn't say kosher even though the pickles didn't change but the package that they were in was important to him yeah i think this is a point where everyone who's had a child on the spectrum for a while understands that you pick your battles is it do you want to hear about the pickles for the next seven to ten years or would you rather just put the pickles in a different different jar jar. (laughs) exactly true yeah i think Another thing that's pretty common for all of our, and I'm saying kids here, there are kids and there are adults, is that they tend to be attracted to things that are preschool aged or just elementary school aged. I have a theory about that, but I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. I think that represents comfort and a time in their life of feeling safe and It's just a stability, like the constancy of this has been like this since I was a child. That's what makes them feel safe is the constancy. My theory is that preschool is a time where social expectations are at a low. You are social, but you can parallel play and nobody gives you crap about it. Right. Mm -hmm. It isn't this. Once you reach five or so, parallel play becomes interactive play, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're playing house, you're going to play that you're washing the dishes, I'm going to sweep. That does not compute for our kids, right? They Mm -hmm. do what they want to do. They don't have that theory of mind that we talked about, that expectation of how somebody else will feel or think or say. So that is gone. I think for Austin, who to this day watches Sesame Street every single day, It represents a friendly adult world. Adults are always there to help you. They're always there to listen to you. There's Mm -hmm. pretty colors. There's music. So I think when our children begin to realize that the world going forward from age five is only going to become more complicated, they back into that safe zone for themselves. It's almost like comfort food for them. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. okay, that was my next kind of point of talking here have you ever tried to quash your child's obsession and what happened (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't go well i don't think you can you can't so this is what i want to tell to parents who are out there listening right now let's say your son bobby is 12 and he's still obsessed with blues clues right 
I think what you have to do is set a safe space where he can have that outlet. Mm -hmm. This is one thing I always say about my daughter in particular. I'm not saying this about everyone else, but to me, autism has a, a good deal in common with Tourette's in that people with Tourette's who manage to quell their tics, be socially acceptable once they get home they explode right mm -hmm. and when austin gets home she goes upstairs to her room and i leave her alone because she's had so much to deal with during the day be quiet don't sing don't take other people's french fries <laughs> <laughs> you have this problem as well. <laughs> so i do think it's a safety thing a fear of growing up austin to this day will not refer to herself as an adult she will say grown-ups do this and i have to tell her constantly you are a grown-up and <laughs> Travis the same way. He does that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they really don't. I remember when we had to get legal guardianship of him when he turned 18. I said, because you're 18 now, you're an adult. He goes, I'm not an adult. It's in the eyes of the law, you are. Right. But it's like they don't want to grow up. Justin likes to pick and choose when he wants to be an adult. When mm -hmm. I want him to do something on a consistent basis and expect him to do it on his own, he wants to be a child and have to be told constantly right. to do something and then if I tell him to do something he says you're treating me like a child <laughs> like, stop <laughs> acting like one I don't know which way to go a lot of times it's like I want to treat him like an adult and expect responsibility out mm -hmm. of him but on the other hand the results aren't always good <laughs> yeah well I would talk about this a lot more but I think that is one thing that we all struggle with as parents of adults where do we say you cannot have this autonomy like to be it, a child to be a, or you are like with Austin and Travi Brenda's son have been dating for five years and they really do have a close and loving relationship but we struggle with how much sexuality do we allow them to express that's a whole other that's a whole, other a whole that is a whole other <laughs> session but I do wonder when do I put the brakes on when I have this child that's watching Sesame Street but also wants to kiss her boyfriend it's, it's a yeah. challenge it is because they're never very gonna, hard. they don't <laughs> none of them ever really truly in their mind want to be an adult they don't no. want to do adulting who does we it's, didn't yeah. want to yeah. either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. any other obsessions that you can think of Justin will not talk to you about Transformers or Mickey Mouse or whatever. But in general, like his drawings, he has notebooks and pages of drawings and he will not let you look at them. I have to wait until he takes a shower and then go in there and go through his stuff and say, oh my God, he's so talented. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't want to share it. And I just think that's different with his obsessions. He keeps them to himself. Mm -hmm. One of Travi's obsessions is he is a really hygienic kid. He loves to take baths. Oh, Loves to take baths. And if we go to a hotel, oh my God, the bathtub is like his favorite thing. He's got this routine and he takes a bath. He gets up at five in the morning and takes a bath. And sometimes he'll take another one at night. He loves bath bombs. This is a real big thing. <laughs> Justin does showers now, but he used to live in the bathtub three times a day. Sometimes you find him in the bathtub. Austin loves Water. to sing in the shower. Yesterday she was singing. I was upstairs working on this. And she kept repeating the same, like, she'll be coming around the mountain, she'll be coming around the mountain, she'll be coming around the mountain, she'll be... Like his record stuck. After 50 times, I went, Austin, <laughs> what are you doing? And she said, I'm pretending the record player is stuck. 
Oh, funny. Yeah, okay. there, there's yeah. one other one that Travi does that's so funny. When he has a pizza, he will eat the pizza, but he doesn't eat the crust, and he'll put the crust back in a complete circle. I've seen him do on that. The yeah. After he eats it. <laughs> this is Austin and Harry have this in common in that they really enjoy editing Wikipedia pages. Yes. So tell about your Wikipedia story oh, and then I'll no. tell mine. <laughs> oh. Well, there have been several times where he has gotten blocked from Wikipedia pages because he has different ideas than the person who runs the page about <laughs> what exactly should be on there. And mostly what he's <laughs> interested in is things related to movies. So it'll be like a copyright date or something. And sometimes movies will, this was, came out under production, produced by Paramount in 1984. And then two years later, Nelvana produced it in a different, in 1986. And so he, whatever one he's got in his head that needs to be in there may not be what the person who owns the page <laughs> has. But he loves to do that. And he will do that for hours but yeah, he could spend a lot of time wow. editing Wikipedia pages. Yeah. <laughs> we got a cease and desist from Wikipedia, and they blocked her IP address because Austin didn't just change little things like dates. She entitled entire paragraphs. Oh, my so, gosh. So, yeah, that was fun times. They are all very intelligent in one mm -hmm. way or another. They're super smart about different things, not the typical things you would think. But every one of them, they have something that they're really exceptional at. You talk about savants, and I do think that every autistic person does have something with savantism in one degree or another. We may never see what it is, though, because they don't know how to express themselves, but it's there. They all have something that they're uniquely, exceptionally good at. It does seem that autism has a good element of creativity in it. I've yeah. yet to meet an autistic person who doesn't have... A gift music for music or art. or art or photography. If you're listening to this and you have a child whose interests you are worried about, right? Oh, my God, I can't hear another minute of whatever it is. Wait, because that's going to pay off. And I think what with Austin anyway, her obsessions ebb and, and flow. Uh, young families that you're never going to be able to quash it. The best you can do is mitigate it. And teach them let them have that outlet and just see where it goes well mm -hmm. it's such a source of joy and, and pleasure for them for yeah. them that unless it's harmful or really violently socially unacceptable i think let them indulge let it. them yeah have justin it. wears headphones on his head all the time for no reason other than he doesn't want to listen to anyone else <laughs> <laughs> noise canceling headphones. noise canceling headphones <laughs> one thing that they all get caught up in and with this group that they didn't have before is jamie does a monthly calendar and there's events monday through friday every week and we do the calendar at the beginning of each month and he is incredibly detailed he knows exactly and it's all written down and every day is what's today Mm -hmm. So that's a good obsession, and that's given him the perspective that we all need as we plan our days, as we go about our jobs and our lives, is that you have a schedule to follow of some kind. And because it's something that he's so interested in, it's a natural progression. And so that's mm -hmm. really one of the great benefits that we've gained from this group is just they pay attention to mm -hmm. every day oh, boy, and what's going on. Oh, yeah. And before this, before Austin's Autistic Adventures, Justin 
would spend most of his time just in his room and his sleep schedule would be off. But now he knows we've got to get up in the morning and go to the store. We go to work. He's usually pushing me out the door at 830 when we don't have to be there till 10, which is why I'm always early. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I left him home one day on a weekend and he got very upset that I did not take him with me. So he, yeah, he has that. It's a routine, but it also changes every day. They do like routine, but he's matured into it mm-hmm. as a normal process instead of just a, mm-hmm. this is the time we brush our teeth. This is the time we brush mm-hmm. our hair. This is, it's more natural to him to have that. That was one of my founding principles of the group is I wanted them doing something different all the time mm-hmm. so that they don't get inured to that. The, the experience isn't the same all right. the time. Exactly. Also because the group changes so much, your favorite friends may be at one event, but not at the next. And you have to learn to cope with that. So that's mm-hmm. one way we try to build adult skills. Yeah, just and, coping yeah. skills. Yeah, just yeah. coping skills. Having a schedule, having boundaries. And when change, yeah. things change, too. To Being be able, able to go. Justin was very bad when he was younger about if, if something changed. was changed. Oh, yeah. melt, it's a meltdown. It could be. Yeah. It could be anything from the direction you drove or to a change in plans. Mm-hmm. And he would not be accepting of that but he is much more flexible now thanks to the program so if you're listening to this and you're not in the dallas area and you can't attend our group i still encourage you to always be introducing your child to new things no matter how difficult that is at first always be introducing them to new things temple grandin who's probably the most famous autistic person in the world it's on our brochures it's everywhere it says the best thing anybody ever did for me was introduce me to new things. And through that new things, they get out of that rut a little bit that they may have been in. Which is a stem. And we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. stemming here in just a moment. I don't want to dismiss that portion, but I do think it's important. And then they find other interests, and that may help water down some of those things that they would do obsessively in their rooms or alone all the time because Mm -hmm. they're being stimulated just like anyone I think for me, what is important about having a family member or a friend or whomever with autism is that you realize that they are not other, that they need community and belonging and friends and activity. I think far too often the perception of people on the spectrum has been that they enjoy isolation, that they do not want to do anything and don't even try. We've proven that wrong. This is our sixth year, and I know everyone has testimonials about how that can go. But even if you don't have a group like ours, keep going out. I mentioned my grocery store experience when Austin was little and having to leave entire carts in the grocery store. And some people would say, just don't do it. Get your husband to watch her. Get grandma or whomever. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, we are not going to live a life in prison. We're going to learn this. We're going to do it. And eventually it got better. I was still hauling a screaming nine-year-old out of JCPenney, but, but, <laughs> but eventually she did adapt and everyone can. We work really hard at finding the right strategies and the right paths to get our in- members interested and evolving. I wanted to say, too, that I think the thing that they're really obsessive about is a great way to connect. That's Mm -hmm. what they care about, and that's the vehicle for you to come into their world and to bond with them. Mm -hmm. And 
That's a real key, too, Laura. People don't realize if they want to get to know an autistic person, you have to go to them where they are. Mm-hmm. They're not right. going to come to mm-hmm. you where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. And so many people totally miss that. They're like, I don't know how to interact with them. Just talk to them. Ask them what they like. Find something that they can connect to, and they will open up to you. Absolutely. And then if you establish that basis of trust and empathy, then you're going to get more out of them. I don't know about y'all's kids, but Austin knows when somebody is patronizing her. Yeah. She will will just shut off pretty quickly. If anybody expresses interest in what she does, you've got a friend for life. Yeah. Harry knows, like, very intuitively right away whether you are, like, put off by him or you are nervous around him. It's like the people that just get him and accept him where he is picks up on that he immediately responds, yeah. and he really I think takes to that. I think Justin's still learning it because he is oblivious most of the time. In high school, he was easily taken advantage of. But there were people that came to his his defense and tried to protect him from people that just aren't good people <laughs> at yeah. teenagers. But uh, Not only teenagers. I think he's become more... He was rather guarded, it seems, and that's why he doesn't like to share his obsessions. His favorite thing is to say is, can you leave me alone now? (laughs) (laughs) Travis always says, can I do what I want now? (laughs) He just says, leave me alone and shuts the door. (laughs) But they do all, even Justin, crave that That friendships friendships, and the connections. And maybe they only want it for an hour at a time. That, I think, Mm -hmm. is one of the things that you were so smart about, Jamie, is to not have a four-hour activity because that's right. just too, too much. Mm-hmm. Now that, and, and one thing I will say about this group that is just, it speaks volumes. Almost every one of these young adults, they're adults on the spectrum, but most every single one of them before they joined this group, most of their day was them alone in their room on their computer or on their phone. They didn't have friends that they talked to. They didn't have activities that they were involved in, maybe a few things, but almost every one of them was alone in their room. And some of the kids in this group have never even had a birthday party in their whole life. Some of the parents were just amazed. It was like the first time their child had a birthday party with friends, other than just family, actual friends. And for the first time in their life, in their Mm -hmm. 20s, that is a huge factor in what we do with this organization is take these kids out of that lonely bedroom and give them a community of people and friends. <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to, before we wrap up here, I do want to talk about stimming behaviors. Uh, stimming is short for stimulating. And if you have an autistic person, I'm sure you know what this is. But can you tell me what some of your children's stems are and why do you think they do it? Justin, when he was younger, and this reminded me of another story from school, was he likes to pick at things, okay, or used to. That seems to have gone away, but I'll still catch him doing it like a crack in the concrete. He will make that crack into a canyon, just a little piece at a time. Or at school, if there's something, stickers on something, he would peel them off. The teacher would let him clean her glue drawer (laughs) because all the glue that spills out in the drawer dries and it's just Uh stuck on there. So he would sit there and pick all that glue off. Mm. Lisa, I want to ask you to focus in more on what he physically does. Oh, okay. He hums a lot when he's excited. 
it's not even like he's overstimulated. It's when he's happy, mm. which makes it hard for you to tell him not to do it. But it's not appropriate to walk around humming and he flaps. We don't have any visuals here, but if you know flapping, he flaps his hands. He does his fingers like together when he's happy. So we try to say things like hands down. But yeah, there's a lot of physical stems that he does. But those are the two mm-hmm. main ones. But I can't figure out how to quash it because it's his way of expressing himself. As- he, he will quiet down. And let me say his humming is very loud. <laughs> It's not just really loud. It's really loud. And I think it's the vibrations for him. Yeah. The the proprioceptive vibrations that make him better. So again, you can't, just like obsessions, you are never going to be able to completely stop a stem. Again, what you want to do is mitigate, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a time you can do this. This is a time. I do it to Austin all the time. I'm like constantly. <laughs> Put your hands down. Put your hands down. Put your hands Because Austin picks. She's a picker too. She picks at her face. But Austin's real stem is just nonstop talking. Literally nonstop. Laura, does Harry have any stems? When he was younger, he was a flapper. And that hasn't been since probably elementary school. But then he was really into biting his fingernails And now he's stopped biting his fingernails and asked me to trim them, which is great. But he still bites his cuticles. And there are times where I'm like, how is your finger not like falling off? Because it's Mm. so much raw skin. Mm. And then he wants it to heal. And we have to say, you have to stop biting it so it can heal. He has some sort of obsessive compulsions about things, not necessarily tidying, straightening but if this is off a slightly to he, a, a... He does that at the store. If the pictures are order is not hanging right, he will correct it. That was yeah. one of the reasons we were so thrilled when we learned that there was going to be a store. Because we've been trying to get him a volunteer job in a store where he could straighten stuff. <laughs> and, of course, they, for liability reasons, didn't really want to do that. And then I was like, there's going to be a store and he can go there and straighten yeah, all sure. the time. <laughs> but, like, in a supermarket checkout, he wants to straighten all the candy, like, the candy displays. Oh. But I think sometimes stimming is stress relief also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think whenever they encounter a situation that is sensory impacting or uncertain, that's when a lot of stimming behavior occurs. But I think also it can become such a habit that they just do it. If it's been a lifelong stim, again, you're probably just going to be able to mitigate, not Mm -hmm. quash. I don't think anybody should attempt to quash their stims. How would you like it if somebody told you this one thing that gives you comfort, you can't do that anymore in Mm -hmm. the case of a person with autism? And I think it really is just trying to make sense out of environment that makes no sense to them. Hey, I want to thank all the moms here who took time out of their very busy days to come and speak with us on our podcast.